0: you are listening to the Genesis podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Okay, we're continuing our series on human, what it means to be human. And and What we've been looking at is that Jesus is our example. He is what it is like to be human. We were created in God's image and Jesus is helping us to reconnect to that image, to help us to understand what God's intention was when he created us in his image. We are so broken and fragmented that sometimes I think we lose the focus of what it really means to be created in God's image. And so we have Jesus who gives us the clarity, gives us the understanding, the ability to see what God meant when he created us in his image. Now, as we move forward, I want to do something here that's going to make you probably uncomfortable, but that's okay. I don't mind. Um, I want you to ask someone near you, a question, preferably someone you don't know. That's where it gets uncomfortable. And I want you to ask them this. What is something that they can do to improve their spiritual life and bring them closer in their relationship with God? So you're going to ask someone, what is it that you can do to to really develop your spiritual life, to improve your spiritual life? What is something you can do to improve your spiritual life that will bring you closer to God? Okay? You got two minutes. Ask somebody. Don't all get up at once. Come on, break the ice. I don't want anybody not being talked to. Okay? Find your seat. Hopefully you've both been able to share and and talk about these things. So... Someone shout out to me. What are some of the things that you can... What's that? Pray. More faith. Read more. Okay. Putting God first, being in Scripture on a regular basis. Pray. Pray. Sharing the Lord more. Okay, so we've got some ideas about things that you can do to improve your relationship with God, your spiritual relationship, and do things that can draw you closer to God. It's important that we recognize that when we were created in God's image, that part of that image was connection to others, As well as connection to God. There's a curious passage in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us, notice the plural, make mankind in our image. Again, the plural and in our likeness. And so we've got that word us and we got the word our twice. And, and it's interesting because as God is speaking, he's speaking in this kind of plurality. This kind of community is already within God. And then we see that as the creation goes on before the fall, when man is there and he's naming all the animals, God says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. This is probably one of the most profound truths that can be found in Scripture. And and it's unfolding in this beautiful and poetic way as God creates woman. And when Adam sees her, he says, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from the man. But we see that it was not good that man was alone. So many times we have this idea, all I need is God. And we even sing that sometimes. And I know it's poetic and it sounds beautiful, but it's actually not true. You need people. It's not good. For the man to be alone, he needs companionship. It's not good that we are alone. God created us in his image, but that was this plurality. Let us make man in our image. And so we start to see that it's important that we have this kind of connection. In fact, when people are disconnected, that's when they start going a little crazy. Right if a put in solitary confinement for too long of a period of time a person goes nuts they cannot handle it because we were made for interaction and we need it turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians chapter 4 starting at verse 25 As we start going through different passages of scripture it's important that we recognize that so much of what is being said is being said in the context of this community. And we have a way of reading things in a way that's very exclusive. A, a very uh, familiar passage of Scripture, say uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. We read that and we embrace it and we think, man, thank you, Lord, I embrace that. And it's such a powerful and beautiful scripture. But that word you that is there is not supposed to be just you. He is talking to the nation. Or when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Notice it's branches, it's plural. It's not just you. It has to do with this idea of community. It's a connection. And so much of what is written in Scripture is written in this frame of mind that the you that is being spoken about or the holiness that is being spoken about is always in connection with the people who you are in community with. And so verse 25, chapter 4 of Ephesians, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Again, this idea of community, you talking to this community, this this group of people there in Ephesus, need to speak truthfully to your neighbor because we are part of one body. It's to our benefit that we are truthful. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. Why? That they may have something to share with those in need. And so we see that there is this don't be lying, be truthful, and don't be stealing because that's... Hurting this body that we're a part of, and instead have something to contribute. Why? Because others are in need, and so we see this reciprocity where someone takes, someone gives, but we are here for one another. He goes on and he says, verse 29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. He goes on and he says in verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So how do we not grieve the Holy Spirit? Get rid of all bitterness. Who are we bitter towards? It's usually other people, right? Right rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Again, these are all things that take place in this interaction with other people. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We were made for community and how we interact with each other is very important. When I was in junior high school, my ninth grade year, back in that school that I was in, junior high went from seventh grade to ninth grade. And and you get your yearbook at the end of that, you know, uh, time of school and the yearbook. This is the last year I'm at this school. And so you get the yearbook. And so you're kind of like the senior of junior high, I guess. I don't know what they called us. And I, you know, at the end they have people, it's like this person is voted the most likely to succeed and this person, you know, is, I forget all the other things, but all I remember is that I was voted the most popular in junior high school. Now, really, it should have been the most confused if they would have gotten it right. You see, I didn't know who I was. And so I just wanted to be with whoever I could be with. So I liked sports, so I kind of hung out with the jocks. But then I was also kind of into music, so I was playing in the band. But I also liked drama, so I was in drama. And I was taking Kung Fu, so I was hanging out with these Korean kids, even though they didn't really know Kung Fu. They knew some kind of martial arts. So I was friends with them, and I was teaching them English, God forbid, and help them But then at that time, in that age, I was also kind of partying, and so I was also friends with the stoners. And my best friend was a black guy who lived down in South Central, and so I was friends with the blacks, the stoners, the jocks, the Koreans. You see, I didn't know who I was, but I knew I wanted to be connected to people. And so what everyone else saw is just, oh, look at Sam's friends with everybody. But what was really happening is Sam doesn't know who he is and he's trying to connect with anybody because we need connection. And so we're drawn to certain people. We're drawn to certain groups of people, people who like the same music, the same style of clothing, who, who hang out in the same things. People get together for sporting events because they want to support their team. Go Rams if we get them. Why? Because we feel the need to be a part of something. And so they have the chess club. I never went to that. They have the glee club. I didn't ever go to that either. I I didn't go to any clubs, but I hung out with everybody. But all these things are set so that we could connect in some way. But something interesting is happening. In our society and in Western society, we are becoming less connected. There's social media, which is a different type of connection, but then we we still isolate ourselves. In World War II, at the end of World War II, the average size of a house at World War II was 750 square feet. That was the average size of a home. Now, in the 60s, it changed and it grew to about 1,100 square feet. In the 70s, it was about 1,350 square feet. And approximately now, it's about 2,400 square feet. It is an average size home. The interesting thing is the families were bigger back then than they are now. Families were three to four children, average, average in a 750-square-foot home. Think about that. Everybody's rubbing elbows, right? One bathroom, four kids, two parents. Now the average is one to two kids in a 24, 2,500-square-foot home. And so we're wanting more space, and the kids have to have their own room, and we're no longer in connection with our neighbors as we were. We have gated communities. A lot of these communities don't even have sidewalks. You just drive in through the gate and you go to your home and you live in your home and you drive out and you go to your other functions. And we are detaching ourselves in so many ways from this idea of community because we, we have this sensation that we want to become our own little sanctuary. This is my home and everything else is outside. I don't trust the world out there. And so I just come home and I watch my Netflix and I I do my own things there and I can go on Facebook or Instagram, wherever I'm at, but I don't really have to make that contact with people. And it starts to transfer over into the different places that we live and how we live and how we conduct ourselves. But you see, the idea throughout Scripture was this connection that was vital to life, vital to us being human, vital to our growth. And so throughout the scripture, you have these passages where we see this takes place. In Acts 28 7, it says, There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius. Now, Publius is a title. It's kind of a name, public. The chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. It's funny where we get the word pub. It's actually from the word public. It's where people would go and hang out together. Where are you going? We're going to the pub. It was the idea of a public. And here's Publius. I don't know if he had a pub or not, but he was generous, hospitable, and took care of them for three days. We see in Romans 16 23, Gaius, whose hospitality, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. And so here someone's being mentioned because of how hospitable they are. We see in Romans 12 13, share. With the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Again, we see hospitality is important. In Hebrews 13, it tells us that we are to, to be kind to strangers because in doing so, we might entertain angels without even knowing it. We see in John, third John, verse 8, we ought therefore to show hospitality such people so that we may work together for the truth. Hospitality is an important thing. This, this connection to other people is important. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus chapter 1, Paul tells us that to be an elder, an overseer, you have to have hospitality. Think about that. If you're going to be a person who leads, you have to be hospitable. Why? Because that is a characteristic that God requires of us. That is something that God looks at. And so at the beginning, when I asked you, what are some areas that you could grow in in your spiritual walk that would bring you closer together? And we heard great ones, prayer and reading, devotions to God. But you see, what you were actually doing was one of the things that helps in your spiritual walk being hospitable when you were interacting with someone you were actually demonstrating hospitality and that is a spiritual characteristic that is vital to your growth as a follower of jesus you have to be connected to others but we don't think of that what can you do to really enhance your spiritual growth well i need to be hospitable to people and interact more often See, because that is vital. Otherwise, we get bigger homes, fewer people. We start secluding ourselves, and I don't want to interact. And we start detaching ourselves from the body. And so now we see that there starts to develop bitterness because, oh, I I don't want to deal with those people. You have to deal with those people but it's hard to deal with those people. I know, but that's why it's good because it does something in you when you deal with them. And so we see the importance of this hospitality and connecting with others. It's important that we recognize that this is part of what it means to be human. This is something that Jesus demonstrated. In fact, turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 Jesus' prayer, starting at verse 20, he said, My prayer is not for them alone, speaking of his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, As we are one, I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now listen to this. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When will the world know? When they are brought in complete unity. The most spiritual thing you can do is be in community and in unity with other people. Because if you have all knowledge and can speak with the tongues of men and angels, but don't have love, it means nothing. If you have all faith, but don't have love, it means nothing. If you love God, but don't love your neighbor, you're deceiving yourself. And so when you think of how you can grow spiritually, how you can draw closer to God, I want you to think of how you can grow closer to others. Because Jesus himself said, I and them and you and me so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, by your love, one for another. That is how God shows up in our midst. That's where spirituality starts to be unveiled. I'm sure you know people, like I know people, who have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. but they don't love. I know pastors who are very studious, have incredible insights, but they don't like people. I've even talked with people and I say, man, that, that's the most bitter person I've ever met. And they're talking about a pastor. They they'd hate everybody. What's going on? Spirituality is shown in the unity and interaction with other people. And we need to recognize that because this is where we grow, and this is where people are able to see. God in our midst. You see, we are craving community. We were created for community. We desire to belong. We want to be a part of something. And so what we need to do is be an example that whoever you are, wherever you are in life, you can be a part of this because Jesus is reaching out to you. You see, it's important that we recognize this, that, that Jesus' intention wasn't just to come and die on the cross, that Jesus came to unify us. If Jesus is the true expression of what it means to be human, then he desired unity, shouldn't we? Shouldn't this be something that we want? But again, unity is hard. People are difficult. And there's tension. And we'd rather... Move away from the tension and move to a place where things are easy. I think I told you once the story about the man who was on a deserted island. Right, he was there for years by himself, just a small little island. And finally, the ship came and they found him and they were like amazed. Oh, we, we thought you were dead. We, And now you've been alive. Tell me, how have you survived all these years? And he said, Well, come on the island. I'll show you what I've been doing. And they took him to this one place and he had a beautiful structure. He goes, This is my home. This is where I lived. And they were amazed. Man, you did all this. Just, yeah, I did this. Just like Gilligan's Island. I had a few coconuts and I, I put this together and man, I had this house. That's amazing. Well, what's this building over here? And he goes, oh, that's my church. I'm a very religious person, so I built a church, and I go there faithfully. Every Sunday I go, and then I have midweeks even, and I even have a men's study. I'm the only one there, but I go, and I'm there faithfully all those times. And they're like, wow, that's incredible. He said, well, what about this third building? What's this other building here? He goes, I don't want to talk about that. What do you mean you don't want to talk about it? Yeah, I don't want to talk about that building. No, you've got to talk about that building. What is it? I mean, you've got to let us know there's a third building and it's just you. He goes, well, that's the church I used to go, but it's terrible. (laughs) You see, whenever things get difficult, we want to check out and we want to go where it's easy. And whenever there's tension, we tend to just push away from it and we'll try and move to a place where we feel more comfortable instead of pushing into developing the relationships instead of pushing into actually having to deal with the problems. You see, when there's a struggle in, in relationships because people aren't getting along, that tension is where growth takes place. How to learn to deal with people, how to learn to be compassionate, how to learn to to show mercy, even as we read in Ephesians, to be tenderhearted, forgiving just as God in Christ has forgiven us. See, I need to do that. See, there's been times when I've been a part of church and tension comes and it's easier to talk about the person than to actually try and connect with that person. Oh man, they're just so judgmental. What are you doing? All right? Oh, that person's so judgmental. Yeah, you're never going to get through to them. What are you doing? And I can remember being in this room full of pastors and just hearing this conversation. And I'm thinking, this is the most gossip I've heard in a long time. (laughs) And I'm in a room that this shouldn't be taking place, but it's difficult. And we have to push into these things. You know, unity is hard. We, we, we want to make things easy. Eating healthy is hard. It's easier to go get a burrito, or enchilada, or chili relleno. I'm into Mexican food today. I can tell. You see, it's easier to do that than to make a salad. Tastes better too, and so we go with it. We we just want to go to that place. It's easier not to exercise than it is to exercise. That's why I'm like I am. (laughs) Even the communion table is about connection. You see, the table was important at the time of Jesus. The, The table is where Jesus met people, and in turn, it's where people met God. It's where he earned the title friend of sinners because Eating with someone was a sacred event. If you ate with someone, you were communing with them. You were, you were bonding with them. And so when Jesus would sit down and it'd be with these publicans, would be with these tax collectors, there would be prostitutes there. He, he was eating and communing with people who they were considered undesirable. But you see, that's where he was interacting with them. That's where he earned that title. See, I don't think that Jesus' intention for communion was just so that we could have a cracker and some juice and then be on our way. It was so that we would sit, we would talk, we would eat and share life together. That's what communion is supposed to be about. But we've made it a, a, a tradition. Oh, we remember Jesus, but it's... On our own. And that's why for a while we were doing those love feasts. Hey, let's get together. Let's sit and eat. Let's share. Let's talk. Because that's what communion was supposed to be. Why Paul rebukes them is because they weren't communing. The rich were having their own little party. The poor were here and they were hungry. There was no sharing. And he's saying, this is wrong. This is anti what Christ came to do. This is not what it's about. It's about interacting with one another, caring for one another, helping one another, supporting one another, encouraging one another, being encouraged. I know I am like you. There are times where I get discouraged. And, and I get frustrated just like you. There's times where people will say, well, you know, you didn't call me. And I was going through something hard. And I feel like saying, I was going through something hard too and you didn't call me. So let's get past that and let's deal with it now. Let's get past the hurt and let's be family. Let's actually sit and eat and talk. When we gather together, It's as much about coming together with each other as it is breaking the bread and drinking the cup. Because Jesus' purpose, as we read, was to bring unity, was to connect us to one another in a healthy way. Think about even the kingdom of God. One of my favorite passages in John 14 Verses 1 and 2, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. Now, I always like the King James Version, right? My Father's house has many what? Mansions. That's what I want. I want me a mansion. I want the, forget the 2,400 square feet. I want 10,000 square feet. I want my mansion. But you see, what, what Jesus is talking about is when a family would be together and someone would get married, they usually didn't go off and move into their own house. What they did is they built another room for them. And so you have a house, and now here's the room where your son and the daughter-in-law live. And then you have an uncle who comes from a different region. Hey, you can stay with us. And so they built another room. And what they did is they just kept adding rooms to this house. So you've got this house, and there's a bunch of rooms to it. I have a neighbor's house that's kind of like that. They just kept adding rooms. The construction is so bizarre. When they sold the house, we walked through it, and it's like, what is this hallway? It's like three different levels, and it's like they just keep adding rooms. But you see, the whole point is there is a room for you here. My father's house, there's a place for you. We're going to build a room because we want you to be with us. Not we want you to have your own place. We want you to be out on your own. We want you here with us in my father's house. There are many rooms. The whole purpose of this was that heaven isn't just about being with God. It's about truly being together. And being human isn't about just you and your relationship with God. It's about you, your relationship with God and your relationship with people. And if you want to be by yourself and you don't want to deal with other people because people are a problem, then you are not representing Christ well. And as difficult as it is, it is how people see the love of God displayed in us. And if we are going to be like Jesus, then we need to sit at a table and we need to be able to commune with the people around us and let them know who God is by how we interact with them. The most memorable moments in my faith with Jesus are not the moments where I am at a a concert and are at a a worship conference and I'm worshiping. And I've been at some pretty amazing conferences and, and, and... been led by some pretty awesome worship leaders. But the most memorable experiences I've had is when I've sat and talked with someone and had interaction with someone and helped them to see who Jesus was by my conversation. Those are the times that feed my soul. Those are the times that impact my life. Those are the times that leave an imprint on my mind of when I got to be a part of something big. So many times our experience with God is between me and the Lord and Jesus is wanting to break that and bring us to the table. He goes, okay, that's great. You pray, that's good. Prayer is good. You read your Bible, that's great. But you want to increase your spiritual growth and relationship with God, then connect. Because that's where it's at. That's what Jesus was all about. His prayer, his study of scripture was to connect to the people who God loved. And that's what we need to do. Let's pray, Lord. So many times I feel like the most powerful things are the most obvious things, and for some reason I I, I miss them, and I've been missing them, maybe even for years, and then comes this re- reminder. It's about people, and it's always about people. That you came for us. That you came not only for me, but for them. And when you see your church, you see a community that is committed not only to you, but to each other. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to have this commitment, to, to recognize that this is our spiritual responsibility. This is how we grow, is by this unity with one another, by by being kind, tenderhearted, by, by helping others that are in need, by... Not stealing and not being angry, not giving in to these things. Our, our relationship with you is exercised by our relationship with one another. And God, I need exercise in this area as much as I need it in every area. And so I pray you would help us to be this people who, who cares in this way, who, who sits at the table with our friends. And our friends are the people who we live with and the people who we live near and the people who we encounter and the strangers that we meet. Lord, may we truly represent you and truly be human. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together as Jason leads us in a song. May your hearts be knit together with the strong ties of God's love. And may you remember that the most spiritual thing you can do is to love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. Have a great week.